Return, O virgin daughter of Israel, to these your highways by which you went. Welcome to Reunion Roadmap, a place to discover the people and communities along the Highway of Restoration for Israel's House of Joseph. Reunion Roadmap is a B'nai Yosef North America production. Be our guest for the next hour as we meet the people of the emerging House of Joseph here in North America. Welcome to Reunion Roadmap, a production of B'nai Yosef North America. And we're going to have a very interesting interview with Gloria and Frank Bloomfield. And they are at Kohamashiach in Lake City, Florida. And Al, they recently had an event there, didn't they? Well, yes, Stefania, they did. Just this past weekend, uh, which would have been August 11th to 13th, they hosted the Latter Rain Conference. And that's rain as in a king's rain, R-E-I-G-N. And the featured speakers were Mike Clayton, Jim Barfield, Hannah Young, David Altman, all very, very good speakers. I had the pleasure of interviewing Gloria and Frank, along with Mike Clayton, on another show that I do, uh, Remnant Road. And they shared with us things that went on at the Latter Rain Conference. We are following that up today to get their story as leaders of the Kol HaMashiach congregation and to find out how did they come there? What drew them into relationship with Yeshua, into a walk in Torah, and finally to leading a congregation? It is a fascinating story. In fact, it's another one of those stories that is so big, we had to split it up into two parts. So we will air the next part of the interview at our program after this one. If you want to know more about their congregation, go to their website, kolhamashiach.org, K-O-L-H-A-M-A-S-H-I-A-C-H. Kohamashiach.org. And you can also order DVDs of the Latter Rain Conference. It would be well worth your uh, effort to do so. The order form should be up shortly. Now, Tefania, after that, we're going to have a fascinating midrash by our elders, David Jones and Barry Phillips. You want to tell us a little of that? Very fascinating. And the topic is hate. Now, that, that sounds like, wow, this is very heavy. And it is heavy, and uh, what they're talking about is some various things having to do with uh, recent events that have taken place. That have, that's what really prompted them to start discussing this. And I think it's, it's something that we all need to look at in, in regard to how do we treat one another. That's really the, the essence of, of the conversation. Indeed, that is. That second greatest commandment, love your neighbors as you love yourself, that's at the root of what we're talking about here. Now. Yeah. I would be remiss, Tefania, if I didn't remind our listeners that we would like to hear from them. Folks, we do appreciate getting your feedback, comments, and suggestions. Uh, perhaps you have questions for our elders to address in the Midras section. Maybe you have an idea for someone for us to interview. If you could please email us at reunionroadmap, that's all one word, reunionroadmap at com. And that's B-N-E-Y-Y-O-S-E-F-N-A.com. Reunion Roadmap at B'nayosefna.com. Please send us an email. Tell us how you like the show. We would appreciate that. And while you're at it, visit the B'nai Yosef North America website. And that is the same address, B-N-E-Y-Y-O-S-E-F-N-A.com. Well, it's fun, yeah. I think we have an excellent show lined up. I'm looking forward to hearing what Gloria and Frank say and what Barry and David say after that. And we've got some good music interspersed in the midst of it. Yes, I'm looking forward to it myself.
Well, now we come to the interview segment of Reunion Roadmap. This is Al McCarn. Today we go to Lake City, Florida, and we have a visit with Gloria and Frank Bloomfield, leaders of Kol HaMashiach Messianic Congregation. Gloria and Frank, welcome to Reunion Roadmap. Thank you, Al. Good to be here. We'd like to know something of your stories. You're leaders of a Hebrew Roots Messianic Congregation now, but I'm sure that didn't happen in one sudden move. So let's just start out with what is your testimony in Yeshua? I think it goes back to my mom reading the Bible when she was pregnant with me. And when I was five years old, somehow I knew I had to live to serve God. Uh, Because my parents were Catholic, I thought that that meant being a nun, and that was the only way that women served God. So at five, I knew I need to serve God. At eight, I'm in Catholic school, and the nun says something about the lost tribes of Israel, and I suddenly knew that I was a descendant of the lost tribes. While all my other seven- and eight-year-old friends are saying, where did they go that they got lost? I just knew that I was a descendant. But when I went to go talk to my mom about it, uh, of course, at eight years old, you don't have historical data or, you know, you don't have all the threads of the tapestry. It's just that this is what I felt. And she's like, oh, no, 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 we're Italian, we're Catholic, we're not Jewish. And so I kind of tucked that away. When I was 12, I was, uh, got a, my first Bible. Until then, had been books of Bible stories. And here's the irony, is we had been taught about Mary was ascended or assumed into heaven, body and soul. I thought that had to be glorious. And so I'm looking, I read through the New Testament twice, looking for this assumption. It wasn't there. But I did come in touch with, call no man father. Oops. Sorry, priests. Sorry. Sorry, Pope. (laughs) call no man father, and don't repeat your prayers over and over again like the heathen do. Whoops, there goes the rosaries. And so I kept bumping into all these truths. And that led me to that fateful day when I asked the religion teacher, if we're following a Jewish Messiah, why aren't we doing Jewish things? And I got a firm, go sit down, Gloria. And that was the end of the conversation for a long time. How old were you when that happened? About 12. Oh my. Well, God yeah. was certainly working you at, in you at such a young age. Yeah. yeah. And, and in retrospect, that's bat mitzvah age. And so that, that's all I, I could do to put the, the things together is, yes, the father was working on me while I was still young and, uh, Un, unpolluted, untainted with the world. So, and then, uh, you know, I uh, got to be 15, 16, discovered boys, and <laughs> then got married at 18, had my son at, at 23, I think it was. And uh, not much happened spiritually during that time. The next uh, really memorable event was my dad died in uh, 1984. And as the oldest child, I saw that he was dying. He had cancer. So I prepared the final arrangements. Uh, with, with those final arrangements, I had the stiff upper lip and, you know, just let's get mom and, and my brother through this. They're, they're a mess. And so I didn't cry. And it wasn't until 
a year to the day later, and oh, dad's funeral. I sang four songs at dad's funeral. A year to the day later, I'm in a church 350 miles away from where the funeral was, and it's the anniversary of dad's death, and they played three of the four songs that I had sung a year to the day before. So I started to cry and cry and cry. That just like was so cathartic. And with that, though, was the realization I had made a mess out of my life. I was very far away from where the Father's plan for me was. And I recommitted myself right then. And with that, I started looking for a place to fellowship. And it became very, um, how shall I say, frustrating, because the prevailing thought was that the Old Testament was instructions for one group of people, and the New Testament was instructions for another group of people. In my spirit, I knew that it was a continuum, that it was Yah's revelation to his people throughout history. And so I kept searching and questioning. I, uh, I call it, I had my spiritual shopping bag out. And I went from church to church looking for the answers for my life and uh, didn't really find them until, um, and I, I tried all the major denominations and I didn't try them for just one Sunday or two. I was there for months, sometimes for a year. So, but I, I tried, I kept looking. And then um, I was in massage school in 1990 and I had no money. So I decided I was going to tithe my time because that's all I had. So I tithed my time at a Christian radio station in Gainesville, Florida. I'm sorry, uh, Sarasota, was it? Yeah, Sarasota. And um, uh, there was a uh, speaker that had come that was a Messianic rabbi. And ironically, I didn't hear the interview. I was on the phone counseling people who were calling in wanting prayer. So I'm, I'm praying with them and so on. And after the interview, you know, I get the phone calls from my friends. Hey, did you, did you hear the interview? It's, it sounds like it's what you're looking for. No, I didn't hear the interview. Who was it? What did he say? And so on and so forth. And uh, with that, though, I stepped foot in a Messianic congregation for the first time on that Friday night. Most of it felt like home. Some of it I couldn't relate to, but the praise and worship just really connected with my spirit. And a lot of things they did connected with my spirit. And so I started going there. And then when I graduated massage school, essentially the same thing happened where the father blessed me. I had a a job three days after graduation. That was in uh, a little town called Williston, Florida. And there was a Messianic congregation in Ocala. And it turns out that the chiropractor that I worked for knew of the congregation and got us all connected up. So it was, it was really incredible. And then Frank and I met, uh, and then 84 days later, we got married. And uh, we started, he asked me to marry him, and I didn't say yes or no. I said, is there a Messianic congregation in Lake City? And his response to me was, well, I'm sure there is. There's, there's every other kind of church. And uh, so uh, we chuckle about that to this day. We were here for about four years and obviously no Messianic congregation at the time. So I needed filling and I started a uh, Bible study in my office after work. 
And one thing led to another. We celebrated Passover, had 50 people in attendance, and it just just mushroomed up till we finally had a, a you know started being a congregation. And the irony is, is I was so new and so uh, how shall I say it naive about Hebrew roots, just not knowing. I looked up the date afterwards, like a couple of years afterward, that we. Uh, started the very first Bible study. It was in the middle of Hanukkah, 1996. Here, Hanukkah, the Feast of Rededication of the Temple, and what are we doing? We're taking a new look at an old book, looking for the Hebraic insights to the scriptures. So um, that's essentially how we started, and now here it is 20 years later, and uh, Still teaching Torah, still, you know, observing the feast, still doing all that, and uh, cooking and scrubbing toilets. Hey, it's a well-rounded existence. (laughs) That is quite a story. Now, what does Kol HaMashiach mean? Kol means voice. I've also seen it translated as song, uh, and HaMashiach is the Messiah. So it's either voice or song of the Messiah. We seek to hear his voice through the written word, and to accurately echo his voice to whomever the, the Father puts in our, our path. So that's why we, we got the name uh, Kol HaMashiach. It's a good name. Now, Frank, did you grow up Catholic? No, sir. I flunked Latin. I was an Episcopalian. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was raised in the Episcopal Church. It was a great experience. I, I loved church. I loved all that. When the church got big enough to become a cathedral, it was exciting. I, I served on the altar and did all this good stuff, acolyte and crucifer and all. And I really loved it. And uh, it very much parallels the Catholic, except it's all English. I, I was thrilled with the pomp and circumstance stuff. And then I started having questions. And I would ask my dad questions. And he would tell me, don't question the Bible. Don't question the preacher and all that. Well, my dad passed away when I was 14. And when that occurred, then I became very questionable. And I was ready to leave the church, but my mother wouldn't let me. And then all the the men of the neighborhood, basically, they were going to take me under their wing. But I didn't like what their wing looked like. Now, I was a defiant kid. I would keep hearing over and over you better find God, boy. You better find God. And, and I, I remember telling this one man, he was, he was a great guy, and he would take me to church. And I told him one time, I said, if you're the one that's got God, I don't want what you've got. And I remember it well, because I'd be beat over the head if my dad ever heard me talk to someone like that. So that's what I came up with. I, I ended up joining the Navy when I turned 17, and I was in and out of church back and forth. And in the Navy, I'd go to worship services or I wouldn't go. But there was no dying attachment because I knew something was wrong. Eventually, I got married and uh, I was 22 and I, I got married and we had uh, two children, five years apart. And I knew that if I was going to be a good daddy, I'd take my, my voice to church. And so my wife at that time and I, we agreed to go to church and the only church I knew was the Episcopal Church. I'm not down on the Episcopal Church. I'm not down on any church. I like to tell people if it wasn't for the church, 
I wouldn't be in the walk I'm in right now. So I give them a lot of credit, not a lot of blame. And it's just ironic that my oldest boy, he had the same questions I had. All of us over Christmas, we had Santa Claus up on the altar and we had a manger scene and all this. And my my boy asked me, he said, Daddy, he said, where's, where's Santa Claus in the Bible? I said, son, I don't think you're going to find Santa Claus in the Bible. And uh, he says, why not? I said, I'll get you the answer. So after the service and all was over, I went to the priest and I told him, I said, I got some, some questions for you, Father. And we called him Father. And uh, he says, what you got? I said, well, my, my boy's asking me the same questions I asked my daddy. What, what's all this stuff you're teaching if we can't find it in the Bible? And he says, and what, what, did your, what did your daddy tell you? My daddy told me to shut up, don't question the Bible, and don't question a preacher. And he says, and what'd you say? I said, that's wrong. That's wrong. My kid's asking for an answer that I never got. And uh, I said, so what do I do? This priest turned to me. He says, I'll, I'll tell you in all sincerity, get a new English Bible with the Apocrypha and read it in its entirety. Then read it again, and you will see that you have read it all wrong to begin with. And that stuck with me. So I'm in and out of church. I'm deployed. There's no church when I'm deployed. I would go sometimes. I get in trouble. I could always go to the chapel and have a moment of peace. I knew that. And I stayed in trouble a lot. Defiant, rebellious. But after I retired, I ended up being divorced. And it turned out to be a blessing for both of us because she couldn't stand me at home. I was gone most of the time. And I did have a bad attitude. So we divorced and I'm out there floundering around and I'm trying to go to church, but I keep hearing the same message. I keep reading the same confusion. And people would ask me, the ministers would ask me, what's wrong with you and not understanding the Bible? I said, I don't read it the way you read it. I, I see it different than what you're seeing. And that was my whole stand. I said, well, I'm going to have my own church. And I settled in, in my backyard. I sat out at a big picnic table, and I called myself Uncle Remus. I'd have squirrels at one end of the table, birds at another, and we'd sit out there in the mornings and have breakfast under God's sky. And that was my church for a long time until I met Gloria. And I met her on the radio. She was doing all this praying and saving and stuff. It was, it was, it was, the events are, are just unbelievable. I won't go into them all. You'll hear about them one day because we're going to be around a long time. I mean, it seemed like time was really going on, but it wasn't. It's only been a couple of months. And, and I thought, we, we can't keep this up. We're spending a fortune on, at that time, it was long distance calls. We didn't have cell phones. And uh, we spent a fortune on phone calls, a fortune on gas going back and forth. And I asked her, I said, why don't you just come live with me? She said, we're not married. I said, well, I'll fix that. And a couple of days later, I asked her, I said, would you marry me? She said, what? You serious? I said, yeah. I said, I've checked it out. In Columbia County, you can get an uncontested divorce for $70. So many people get divorced nowadays. It's not a stigma. So why don't we get married so that we can be together? And if it don't work, We'll agree to just part. I'll put the 70 bucks in an escrow account, and it won't hurt either one of us. She looked at me and said, you're the craziest man I've ever met. I said, but I'm just telling you, I want to do the right thing. 
because I prayed to God. I said, God, why can't I have a good life? What's wrong with me? Am I that bad? And the answer came, and it don't come often for me. It came, he said, if you surround yourself with good people, you will be good. I got that message, and I've been surrounded with good people ever since. She wanted to start a congregation because she said, I need a place to go worship. And God told me to start a congregation if you need it that bad. I says, okay, let's do it. I'll back you in everything you want to do. Just stay with me. I said, because I need you. And God told me so. We've been together 25 years and it's been awesome. And we didn't know each other probably until the other day when we started talking openly in front of each other like this. It's been a wonder. It's been a wonderful trip. I'm finding the answers to the questions I had as a child. I learned that I can question the Bible. I can question people who teach the Bible. I'm not drilling them and saying they're wrong. And I learned that. I don't dare tell somebody what the Bible says. I tell them what it means to me, how I read it. And if we're in agreement, we're in agreement. If we're not, that's okay. But I listen to others around me. I listen to the good people that are surrounding me so I can be good. And it helps. It's, it's like wearing your seat seats. It's going to remind you all the time. This is what you ask for in life. And this is what God has given you. Accept the gift, rejoice in it, and share it. And that brings me up to date. And you know the rest of the story. Nicole Hamashiach is there, and we're ensuring that it lives forever. Our first musical selection is How Good and Pleasant by Eved Adonai with Gabriel Paredes, available on CD Baby, iTunes, and at evedadonai.com.
Welcome to the Midrash portion of today's Reunion Roadmap. I'm Barry Phillips, an elder with B'nai Yosef, and with me is David Jones, a fellow elder with B'nai Yosef. David, I trust that all is well with you today. Uh, hope things are going good. Doing great, Barry. Oh, well, that sounded convincing. Uh, <laughs> David, I have um, something that I think is preoccupying uh, due to the media blitz that we have been receiving in recent days that is occupying my mind, and that is the event that took place not far from where I'm located here on the east coast of Virginia. About two and a half hours-ish away from me is the place called Charlottesville. Um, Charlottesville, for those who may not be aware, is uh, a mountainous uh, community where the University of Virginia is is located so it's a big college town uh, a very intellectual town very thomas jeffersonian and um, it's steeped in a lot of history uh, so i find it interesting and perhaps even significant that what took place recently there in the racial contra- uh, uh, confrontation and violence that took place between uh, white supremacist groups and uh, Black Lives Matter and uh, fascist groups on the other side. Um, it goes back to trying to dig up something that is deep in Virginia's history, and that is uh, the American Civil War and what uh, his, historians have described as the issue of that war. I take issue with their issue there. But nevertheless, most Americans will look back on those years in the 1860s and say, it was a racial controversy. Uh, so it brings to mind the the things that divide us, race, religion, economics, political mindsets and preferences, uh, historical family issues, uh, sometimes just your ethnicity and your genealogical line as to what country you came from. All of these can rise up and cause people to have a negative uh, opinion of someone without really knowing the person. Uh, Bigotry, prejudice. Biases. Biases, you know, just showing preferential treatment or uh, showing um, a lack thereof to someone just because of their skin color or their obvious ethnicity. Uh, That's become part of the um, underbelly of America. Sad to say, where does this fit in the body of Messiah? And how is it that you and I are supposed to relate to those who say that they hate us? A man or a woman will look at us and they see our zitzit. They they hear us use the term Yeshua as opposed to the more commonly accepted Jesus. And immediately they start treating us different. How are we to respond to them? And how are we supposed to keep from hating others? Who want to do us violence? A lot of questions on this. What are your opening thoughts? And maybe we can get into some pertinent questions for today. You know, it's it's one of these subjects that's difficult for people to address because it is a big problem, and uh, so many people are trying to say it's it's not a problem. It is a problem, and um, 
our own pride is, is, in my opinion, at the root of it. We want things the way we want them, and we want the right to look down on others. And scripturally speaking, we do not have that right to look down on anyone. And we, we need to learn how to treat each other with respect when we don't agree. And uh, but again, this is where there there needs to be uh, things that we can agree on, like uh, a rule in the land, so that we can at least have a same uh, ideology of, of how things should go. This is why you know we do not live in a in a Torah based society. We do not live in a solid scriptural society. So even though some of the rules of the land were were based out of scripture, we're not following those today. We're not really looking at the heart that uh, that these things. Were written and so everyone is seeking their own path their own way their own desires and what's good for me and it's causing a lot of problems it's causing a lot of tension and um uh, in my opinion things are going to get worse uh but this is uh, also getting to the point of praying for the messiah to come um within the it's even within the body where um you know, well, I'm with this group and they're with that group. It reminds me of uh, uh, when when Shaul was talking, well, I'm with Paul and I'm with Apollos and I'm with, you know, whoever. It doesn't matter. You know, we're all supposed to be part of a body and we need to see each other as that um, because different parts of the body act differently. They behave differently. They approach things differently. They think about things differently. And they're not always going to, to see, act and do things the same. Well, we need to learn. I'm not going to say just to embrace our diversity, but in a manner of speaking, yeah, because we need to look and see the way that we think things need to be done is not always the way it has to be done. Well, I think, David, there is a um, a mindset at times that it's twofold. One is that we believe that we are so perfectly right that anyone who disagrees with us is imperfect. Therefore, they are worthy of our looking down on them. Uh, that's that's a mindset that we have to get rid of. None of us have gotten there so perfectly that everyone else who disagrees with us has to be wrong. Well, even in issues where we think we're right, uh, how many times have you thought you you had something figured out and then come to find out later you were wrong? But you were so certain well, you were never, right. That's, that's never happened to me. I don't know what you're talking about, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's never happened to me either, right? Um but I think that's kind of the point here, um, that we 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 tend to look and, and look down on people who don't think the same way we do, and we judge them. Uh, let's call it what it is. You know, we judge them. And uh, James says we're not supposed to be judges of of our brothers. We're supposed to walk together with them. Okay. Well, you said brothers. So what about those then that are not our brothers? Um. Are we only supposed to turn the other cheek to those who are our brothers? Uh, what if it is one who presents themselves as an outright adversary? Um, Rav Shaul wrote in Romans 12, uh, verse 14. When I first started to talk, you know, thinking about these lines, I was thinking of verse 18. If possible, on your part, be at peace with all men. But verse 14 is even more emphatic when he says, bless those who persecute you. That's a strong word. Persecute you, bless, and do not curse. Now, so Barry, you can't tell me that the disciples did this. <laughs> Actually, yeah, they did, didn't they? Well, yeah, yeah. 
I, I, I'm thinking of one of the most horrific periods in the annals of man's history uh, when the Nazi regime persecuted millions of people simply because of who they were and felt that it was their given purpose to eradicate an entire race of people from the face of the earth. And so they, um, they set about identifying those who had any Semitic blood in them whatsoever and set about to, to annihilate them. Were those Jews in, in, uh, under the influence of Nazi Europe in those days supposed to not curse their tormentors? How do you bless someone who's about to lead you into a gas chamber? Yeah, that's that's hard. That's real hard. Um, but, it, but you know, Yeshua said, "Pray for your enemies." Even and we want that none should suffer, right? So sure. How, so so how how is it that we can pray for someone who is putting us through things that we we know are not right and are anti-scriptural things that are against Yahweh and and how do we uh, approach these when we know that that is wrong but what is our part in it you know we we are not to respond evil for evil we um we're to, we're to be above that and we find all through all through history where the people of Yah have been persecuted and killed for for the for what they believed right and that doesn't mean that that oh that's what i want but at the same time um if that's what it comes down to, we should be willing to lay our lives down just as he laid his life down for us. But how many people have you, I mean, how many stories have you heard where people have ended up coming to faith because they were persecuting people and they, and they responded with meekness? Well, even Rob Shul, who wrote this was holding the garments of those that were stoning Stephen. I mean, he felt that it was his, Yah given purpose, anointing, and calling to seek out those that were followers of Yeshua and eradicate them from the face of the earth, lest they infiltrate, dilute, and um, well, I guess what uh, influence the standard functions of Judaism in that day. He was the one who was known as you know the killer, the the persecutor of those that were following Yeshua. And his heart got turned around. If that can happen, well, we, we tend to forget that part. We see him as the great apostle, as I heard him called. Right. Um, but this man was zealous, extremely zealous in what he believed to be true. I mean, when they drag you out of a city and stone you for your doctrine and leave you thinking you're dead, and then you get up and stumble back into the city, that takes... Uh, uh, I don't know if he was nuts, if he was uh, made loopy by a stone in his head. He, he had a concussion. Very, well, very likely. But he had a zeal that says, I will not quit. He went right back. I mean, if, if somebody, if, if I was pastoring a church and they drug me out in the parking lot and stoned me, I'd get the idea that I shouldn't show up the next Sunday. Yeah, I wouldn't think I would come back. <laughs> so... <laughs> But as you were describing Yeshua, you know, suffering a moment ago, you mentioned that I was thinking of him hanging on the tree saying, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Well, Those that's the ultimate who, thing, isn't it? It is. You know, the, these that were involved in the violent melee that took place, they are indoctrinated on all sides with hate. They irrational, falsely 
based their foundation is, is has no truth in it and someone has filled their mind with with their propaganda and with their their hatred and their racial uh, or ethnic prejudice to the place where they hate people they, it's not the person they hate people right. anyone under a certain banner or philosophy you are my enemy yeah, I don't even I, know this person but, but yet we feel the hate so I mean we cannot allow ourselves to be drawn in on either side of that we have to be the people in the middle representing a completely different philosophy of life and a completely different agenda well some may say well that's pretty obvious I mean what's what's the major point in that how is it any different David when we resist or reject people because they follow the Torah differently than we do I will not allow the people of my assembly to worship with the people of that assembly even though we are all seeking to be Torah observant and we're all followers of Yeshua but you say Yeshua and I say Yehoshua and you know we find some something to divide ourselves and we create a banner out of that and start collecting people and how is that any different at its root than Black Lives Matter on one side and the KKK on the other. What is the difference there? You know, Barry, this reminds me of uh, Kepha, Peter. Uh, I'm, I'm reading First Peter 2, 16 and 17. It says, Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God and honor the emperor. You know, we are free, but we cannot say, well, I believe this way and I'm free. And to say that, well, I don't like you because you don't believe or think the same way I do, that's trying to trying to use what God has given us to cover evil intent. And uh, we can't do that. Even if even if we say, well, it's not just, just brothers. What about just brother? What about – no. Peter said, honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. If we have that honor for those around us and uh, so, respect, it's amazing. When you give it, you get it. Awesome words, David. And unfortunately, man, time has just flown by. We're out of time here. I hope that we've at least provoked some thoughts for prayer uh, in regards to this issue. We'd like to hear your opinions. If you'd like to write us at com and let us know what it is that y- your your thoughts are on the subject. David, until next week, shalom, my brother. Shalom, brother. Here once again is Eved Adonai singing The One Who Believes. Their music is available on CD Baby, iTunes, and at evedadonai.com. Yeshlech <laughs> 
Welcome back from that awesome music by Gabriel Paredes and Eved Adonai. Zafania, I understand that uh, you met Gabriel recently at a Revive conference. Yes, this was the Revive that was held in Jacksonville. Uh, the previous one just recently was in Dallas, but before that, they had the Jacksonville one. And uh, I tell you, it's a joyful sound indeed. I mean, I'm if your feet aren't wanting to dance when you hear his uh, music, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, at least they're going to start moving, that's for sure, because uh, he's very enthusiastic with their, with their music, and it's, it's, it's quite a, a joyful sound, which I think is really needed with today's hectic lives that we, we have going on around us today. So, Absolutely. You and I had the pleasure of interviewing Gabriel just a couple of days ago. Yeah, we did, actually. And uh, just as uh, we mentioned that this uh, previous interview with the Bloomfields is going to be two parts, 
that is going to be two parts as well because he has quite amazing journey that he went on, uh, born in Venezuela, then uh, growing up in Puerto Rico, and then eventually, you know, making his way to the middle of Florida. So it's, it's a very interesting interview, and he gives some very good insights in how to treat people, uh, as we are hearing from our guests all the time. It's just every single moment we're hearing these really valuable tidbits of treating people and how, how do we deal with one another how do we work with each other absolutely and nothing really has changed there the two great commandments that god gave moses and moses gave the people and that yeshua repeated they are love the lord your god with all your heart and soul and might and love your neighbor as yourself and those have cut across all the sects all the denominations whether yes. you're jewish or christian sabbatarian Messianic Hebrew roots, those are the things that should unite us. And in fact, that's what Barry and David were talking about, wasn't it? It was. I mean, indeed. I mean, that what they're talking about, how in that Midrash, it was just amazing how they were relating recent events that took place in Charlottesville, Virginia, and then bring that into, you know, the body of Messiah and how do we treat one another uh, do we get up, get ourselves onto a pet peeve of, of a doctrine and use that as a point of which we're not going to talk with anybody, we're not going to associate with anybody? And they really did an excellent job of really bringing that full circle and applying it to where we are today ourselves who are walking in Hebrew roots. Well, that's the truth. We have been fragmented for far too long. And uh, I, I remember the exhortation that you, Yeshua gave to his disciples, I believe it's in Mark 9, uh, where they were ready to rebuke someone who was baptizing in the name of Yeshua, but not following them. And what did he say? No, don't rebuke them. Let them do it. Yes. Because he who is not against us is for us. Yes. So maybe if we start emphasizing more the things we have in common, then we'll have less cause to divide ourselves. Yes, and, and what's kind of interesting is that we can actually see all of this in play at uh, particular gatherings that we have across the country here in North America, which is the National Shabbat. Hmm. Uh, in fact, David Jones will be coming September 2nd to Woodstock, Georgia, to be, he's going to be speaking about one of the Articles of Declaration, which is the sixth Article of Declaration, and the core value that he's dealing with is patience and honor. And think about that and related to, to what we just talked about. Well, uh, we have a National Shabbat website, so why don't you tell our listeners about that? Yes, uh, it's a secure website, so you need to give us all the information that we request in order for us to give you a login, but it's nationalshabbat.com, nationalshabbat.com, and you can create a login, and we have an approval uh, set up there where uh, as soon as we look at your information that you give, and if we can verify that, you'll be approved, and you can go there to see what's going on all around the country in re regard to National Shabbat. That's right. The National Shabbat is a phenomenon that is growing, and there's a reason that we have the uh, security protocols. It's because we want to maintain the vision that was given to us originally for the National Shabbat to be, and what was it, Stefania? Well, it's a grassroots effort 
and it's uh, and it's actually a, a time for people to come together. It's really much. It's much like a family reunion of the house of Yosef. That's right. That's what it is. So uh, we're not concerned about doctrines or about what congregation you belong to. It's all about coming together to worship our creator on the day that he said, and to do so as his people. Yes, exactly. Well, Tiffany, it looks like we have run out of time for this edition of the Reunion Roadmap. Excellent. Yeah. So we will be back again with another great show next week. Uh, you'll find the uh, second part of the interview with Gloria and Frank Bloomfield and another Midrash by our elders. Until then, this is Al McCarn along with Stefania Papa saying thank you for listening. God bless and Shavua Tov. Shavua Tov. Thank you for joining us on our Union Roadmap, a production of B'nai Yosef, North America. Please come back next week for another visit with the people of the Emerging House of Joseph here in North America.